Tyler Stowell, uh, a member of the uh, Piscataway CCG, and uh, I've been in Jersey for almost 10 years now. My wife Alice and I live in South Boundbrook, and uh, I, I love this series. It's been great. My experience with the, the Lord's Prayer, I grew up going to Christian school, but it was not something that we said regularly uh, in any kind of formal way. Uh, my, most of the times, maybe like 95% of the times I've ever said this prayer has been on a football field or in a locker room. Uh, we said it when I was playing in college. We said it after every practice. Uh, now with Rutgers, we say it before and after games, uh, which is kind of odd. It's, you know, it's kind of sandwiched or preceded by lots of things that wouldn't reflect the Lord's Prayer. And so we just kind of mash it all together, and I try to pray with a little extra oomph uh, when we do that. Uh, but we are going to stand right now and say this together. Uh, so if everybody could, could stand up. We'll have the words on the screen. Uh, there are not just many languages that this has been in, but even in English, we can't agree on what the actual words are. So I'm going to do my very best to not say trespasses, because that's what I'm used to saying uh, when we get there. So we'll just read this together on the screen as a church body. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can have a seat. Uh, also, I'm used to saying that about a thousand times faster than that. Uh, and it's hard to, to get breaths in otherwise. Um, so, as I, as I look at this prayer, as we talked about, it kind of just builds on itself. And it... And it we have to start with our Father, and then that He's in heaven, that we are not, that, that uh, we want to hallow His name, not our own, that we need things from Him, that we're asking for forgiveness, and then all of a sudden, all of it builds up to, and help us forgive others. We, you know, we kind of just whisper that part, right? Uh, but but this, is, this is no joke. This is, a, this is a hard one. And so anytime I sit down to read the Bible, I try to go through, uh, whether it's informally or very formally, a list of three questions just to kind of help me see right, what's in the text, what's going on, and what does God want me to do about it? And so I want to share those with you for this passage, a little insight into even how I kind of prepared for that. Right, the three questions, observation, interpretation, application. What does it say? What does it mean? What do I do? That's what I want to look at. So observation, what does it say? Well, let's take a look. It says, as we forgive those who sin against us. Pretty straightforward. Usually the answer to this question is just kind of the verse that jumps out, and uh, you're just going write it, to write it down. What does it say? The important question, though, next one is to ask, what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, let's take a look. As we forgive those who sin against us. Yeah, that one's pretty, that's pretty easy. There's really not a whole lot of debate about that. Um, that's what it means. But like any good reading or handling of the Scripture, we need to consider, well, what does God want me to do about it? Like Jesus' little brother wrote, we don't just want to be hearers of the word, but doers. So what do we do about it? Let's look at the application as we forgive those who sin against us. Pretty short and sweet. So I'll pray for us and bring the band up. We can go to brunch early here. So why, why do we have such a hard time with such a simple thing? This is really not complex, right? It's, it's pretty simple, but it's really hard. It's hard for two reasons. One, as broken people in a broken world, we do pretty terrible things to other people, right? There's been pretty terrible things done to us. There's been pretty terrible things done to people in this room. I know that. I know some of, I don't know everybody, but I know some of your pain. There's a lot. There's a lot 
And so looking at this as simple as it is, it's, it's pretty tough. It's really tough. And that's okay that it's that tough. That's the world that, that we live in. And so I, I recognize that. I, I have been hurt. My wife and I have been hurt. We've been through some stuff, and I can share all those details just for the sake of honoring the other people that would be involved, but we've experienced that, right? So I'm not trying to say I've been through worse or more or better or hard, different than what you've been through, but I've been through some stuff, and I've had to wrestle with what this is. So anything that I say today, I pray God uses it. Um, trust that God's going to use it, but he also might use uh, a therapist. He might use a counselor. He might use years and years for you to slowly painstakingly move through this, all the while him walking with you. So I just, I want to acknowledge that, that this isn't just going to be a little Band-Aid, and now it's just a piece of cake to forgive everybody, right? Secondly, the reason that, that this is really hard is we just don't want it to be that simple. <laughs> we, we just, we don't want it to be that easy. We want to try to put something else into it, or make excuses, or this, or that. I don't really have to forgive them, right? I'm talking more on the day-to-day kind of stuff. We just don't want it to be that simple. And so, we have a hard time with forgiving others. In preparation for this, there really wasn't a whole lot of study. I kind of just showed you that. Forgive and those who sinned against us, that's about it. But in leading up to this, I knew that at some point I was going to have to sit down with God and say, okay, God, who do you want me to forgive? And I was not really looking forward to that. But this week, Monday, uh, I carved out some time and I sat down. I said, okay, Lord, who do you want me to forgive? That was fun. And, uh, and he just dropped it all on me. And uh, so this really just is a lab report of my own experience with this, this passage. Like I said, the whole prayer builds on itself. And if there uh, is, there might not be a more radical distinction for God's people than this line of this prayer, that we would actually go and forgive people. But we gotta understand what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. So that's what I wanna kinda break down and just share from lots of different places, what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not as we look at this. And so, First one, forgiveness is not, and I'm going to put these up on the screen, forgiveness is not minimizing or denying or ignoring or excusing pain and or wrongdoing. And there's probably a bunch of other words you could put in there. But it's, it's not just saying, oh, no big deal, right? That's not forgiveness. Saying it's okay is not the same thing as I forgive you. It's okay is it's okay. That wasn't a problem. I forgive you is that was a problem, but I forgive you. All right, so here's what I want to set this up. Let's say that you come over to my house, and, and we're hanging out uh, in, in the basement. It's kind of our living room, and we're, things get a little crazy. We start playing some type of sport, right? I'm a sports guy. We start playing some type of sport. Or maybe, let me branch out here, maybe we're having a jam session, playing music, right? You would have to supply those instruments because I don't have those. Or maybe we're knitting. Whatever you want to do, it's fine. But things start getting crazy, and you break one of my lamps in my house, all right? Use your imagination of how that could happen while we're knitting. But that's what happens, all right? Forgiveness is not just saying, hey, it's okay. It's not okay. My lamp's broken. The environment has been disrupted and broken. And because it's my house, it's my responsibility to restore the environment. And so that lamp has to get fixed. It has to be replaced. It has to be restored. Now, I got two options. I can make you pay for it, or I can pay for it, and in that case, I would be forgiving you because I'm paying for it. But I can't just say, ah, no big deal. We just won't really worry about that. You know, I can just live in the dark. No, the environment's been disrupted. I have to restore it. 
That's my responsibility. Same thing with God. That's why he can't just say, yeah, no big deal. Sin, like, hmm, it's all good. No, it broke his environment. And it's his responsibility to restore it. So we can pay for it. Bad news. Or he can pay for it. Gospel. Right? Those are the options. The other thing with this is we got to get rid of this whole, like, good intentions kind of thing. Now, maybe, let me say this, in New Jersey, maybe we could lean a little bit more towards believing the best in other people, not assigning motive to that guy that cut me off, right, and, and trying to assume people maybe do have good intentions. But when it comes to forgiveness, the whole, like, well, I didn't mean for that. Well, like, it's a car accident for a reason. It's an accident. But me saying, well, I didn't mean to slam into your car, that's not going to fix the car, right? My good intentions don't heal or repair the damage. A mechanic does. So we got to take the car to a mechanic. Just somebody saying, oh, I didn't mean for that. Like, that's great. I, I would assume most of us probably don't mean to hurt each other. Maliciousness, that happens, right? There's some people out there. But by and large, we're all trying to do the best we can. Most of the time, the ways we wrong people are with good intentions. That doesn't take away the pain. That doesn't take away the damage. Just like me not meaning to have a car accident would instantly fix the car. Right, so we have to acknowledge the pain. Now, that's hard. That's really hard because we've already lived through the pain. We've already experienced it. Now we have to go back and acknowledge it again. Yeah, that's where, that's where the path to healing is. So forgiveness is not minimizing, ignoring, denying, or excusing pain or wrongdoing. Secondly, forgiveness is not earned. It's not earned. And I think that's almost where we try to go with the good intentions. Well, I didn't mean for that to happen, so can you forgive me? Again, let's go back to the broken lamp. If I make you pay for it, I'm not forgiving you. You're, you're earning it. You're paying for it and fixing it, right? If I want to forgive you, you don't pay anything. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. That's the whole point of grace, right? Grace is a gift. If you get a birthday gift and you pull out your wallet and try to pay for it, you're, it's not a gift. It's a purchase, right? So forgiveness is not earned. It's not something, and that's, that's hard. That's scary to just sit and ask for forgiveness without any attempt to try to mitigate or earn it. But forgiveness is not earned. Lastly, for this, forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not trust. And this is really important because forgiveness is not the same thing as trust. Now, in order to trust somebody again after they've hurt you, you've got to forgive them. But forgiveness is not the same thing as trust. Trust is based on repentance. Forgiveness is not. Trust is based on repentance. Forgiveness is not based on repentance. There might be boundaries that need to be set, Right? If you break my lamp, I might not invite you back over. I might forgive you, but I might, invite, I might not invite you back over. I don't want any more lamps to break. If you're a lamp breaker, right? I got that term from someone else this week. If you're a lamp breaker, the, the most loving thing might be for boundaries to be set so that you can realize, I break lamps. I should not do that. And now I'm confronted with that, right? Lamp breakers. It sounds like a great name for like a fantasy football team or something. Put that on a t-shirt, lamp breakers. My fantasy team is much, not much more than a pile of broken lamps right now. But uh, we don't talk about that. Jesus was the one that was led like a lamb to the slaughter. But that doesn't mean we always have to be. Okay? Forgiveness and trust are not the same things. You need, some of you might, might need to hear this, that you can forgive without rebuilding trust. You can forgive someone without rebuilding trust. Trust might involve therapy and counseling. Trust might involve boundaries. Trust might involve years and years and years in order 
to get there, and that's okay. And trust might never be reestablished. Yes, God calls us to forgive. He calls us to love people well, which I think involves trust. And so you might, you might not need to stop praying for that, but it might never happen, and that's okay. That's okay. Do I need, Andrew, do I need to do anything to this? I'm getting some bumps. No? Okay. It's bothering me more than anybody. All right. Forgiveness is not minimizing, ignoring, wrongdoing, or pain. Forgiveness is not earned. Forgiveness is not trust. Let's talk about what forgiveness is. If you're feeling kind of like, oh, man, maybe I could do this thing. Just wait. Just wait. Forgiveness is, this is uh, a definition I often hear Pastor Scott use. I, I, well, I don't love this, honestly. But I love this. Uh, is release from deciding how I think they should suffer. The one that wronged me. Forgiveness is releasing them from suffering the way that I think they should suffer. Broken lamps. Oh, I forgot to mention the whole trust thing. Like it's, it's trusting that God's going to provide a new lamp, whatever it is I need. This one, new lamps, uh, broken lamps. Um, it means that I stop wishing that your lamp would also be broken, right? It means that I stop planning how to accidentally break your lamp when I come to your house, right? That's what releasing them from suffering is. That's what forgiveness is. That's hard, though. I like to think about how I could accidentally bump into the end table and break your lamp so that you can experience the same suffering that I did, right? But that's, that's, that's forgiveness. It's letting it go and saying, all right, God, you, you know how to break their lamp. So would you break their lamp, God? No, right? It, it, it's, it's entrusting them to God and saying, God, you are a God of justice and mercy and love and wrath and forgiveness and I gotta, I gotta let you handle that. That's really hard. That's a spirit-filled thing, but that's what forgiveness is. Second one, this one, I love this definition, but I also don't love it. Forgiveness is giving someone permission not to be God. Giving someone else permission not to be God. Because right, these are the expectations we place on other people. For them to be the ones that give me all that I need and how dare they ever hurt me because that's not what, right, this is, this is really hard. I want to read a quote, a quote where I got this from. Um, it's a long one. It's a five slider up there, so uh, this is a really long one. But I, it's just, I think it's just worth sharing. This is from Henry Nouwen, pastor, teacher, the late Henry Nouwen. And he says this, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is to allow the other person not to be God. Forgiveness says, I know you love me, but you don't have to love me unconditionally because no human being can do that. If we want other people to give us something that only God can give, we become a demon. We say, love me. And before you know it, we become violent and demanding and manipulative. It's so important that we keep forgiving one another, not once in a while, but every moment of life. Before you've had your breakfast, you've already had at least three opportunities to forgive people because your mind is already wondering, what will they think about me? What will he or she do? How will they use me? You see how this is putting a godlike thing on other people even before breakfast? Maybe I should eat breakfast earlier. To forgive other people for being able to give you only a little love, that's a hard discipline. To keep asking others for forgiveness because you can give only a little love, that's a hard discipline too. It hurts to say to your children, your wife, your husband, your friends, that you cannot give them all you would like to give. Still, that is where community starts to be created, when we come together in a forgiving and undemanding way. Yikes. And yet this is where we, we daily find ourselves, in looking to other people to give us what only God can give us. 
And therefore, we're holding them to a standard that they don't have a shot at meeting. And so we need to forgive them. We need to give them permission to not be God. This is where I found myself on Monday as I was sitting down with the Lord saying, all right, God, who do I got to forgive? Right, just him opening my eyes to see all these ways I was expecting these, these people in my life to, to be God. And that wasn't very fun to realize. But there was, a, there was a freedom in that, in recognizing that, that I could say, okay, God, I'm going to give them permission to be broken, permission to be limited or make mistakes. Vision Sunday, uh, I guess a couple months ago now, Scott walked us through kind of an exercise where we looked at some of that, that we're going to rub up against people's sins. We're also just going to rub up against their limits, their mistakes. That just happens. We make mistakes. We need, we need to give people permission to make mistakes. We need to give people permission to be limited. We need to give people permission to have specks in their eyes while we overlook the logs in our own. We need to give people permission for that. We need to give people permission to break lamps. Now, I'm not saying no boundaries. I'm not saying just, hey, come break my lamp. But like when it happens, we need to just recognize people are lamp breakers. You might be a lamp breaker. We need to give people permission for that. And yeah, there, there was a part as I was wrestling with this. I was like, okay, God, but like, they don't even see the damage that they caused. This was a hit and run. They don't even see the damage that they caused. They don't even know. They have no idea. They have no idea the pain, the hurt. What's up with that? And the, and the Lord was like, yeah, I, I know. I see. I see that pain. I know about the damage. Yeah, okay, well, that's great. That helped. But like, they don't even know. I know. I, I also know, this is what the Lord's telling me, I also know what it's like to forgive people that don't even know what they're doing. Because I said that from the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Jesus has been there. And he knows what it's like. And so by faith, we can step out and say, God, I forget. They don't even know. But I'm going to give them permission not to be you. I'm going to give them permission to not even repent. Again, trust is based on repentance. Forgiveness is not. But forgiveness is really, really hard. Next one, it's, it's by faith. It does, it takes some faith. As I'm sitting there wrestling through this and the Lord's just dropping this sermon in my, in my lap, in my own heart. I'm like, yeah, Lord, but like, guess what? Tomorrow I'm probably gonna be all bitter and unforgiving. And it's like, I know, I'll be there. Let's step out by faith. This isn't gonna be some magical moment where you know, angels are singing the little intro song around you as you forgive. Like, no, it's by faith. It's when you don't know what's gonna happen or how hard it's gonna be. We're gonna keep moving forward. Again, it's, it's trusting that God's going to provide another lamp or provide the money for a lamp or provide someone to come fix the lamp. Whatever it is, saying, God, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to forgive and not make that other person pay for it or give me money. I'm going to trust that you're going to provide a lamp. Even if it's a different lamp, even if it looks different than what I would want, I'm going to trust that there will be enough grace for forgiveness. And this takes us to the, the passage at, right after the prayer that I was like, I don't know, Lord, that's a really, that's a hard one. We got to have it up, we're going to have it up there on the little, the scrolly Bible. I think that's the official name of that thing we got on the screen here. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. This is, it's like, Lord, really, the forgiveness thing, like you had to touch on that right after the prayer. Couldn't we go back to the bread thing or something like that? But no, this is where Jesus takes us. 
For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And I don't want to lump everybody together, but I think collective we, humanity, uh, read it this way. I know I do. I kind of like, oh, Lord, I don't know. Like, that's a, that's a big one. Like, I know what's at stake with forgiveness of my sins, like, but I, I, don't, I don't know. It's really hard to forgive people. Like, is my eternal destiny really based on that? And yet, as I was talking with Pastor Scott this week, he had mentioned in one of the commentaries, I never actually was able to locate it, but um, based on one of the commentaries for the Lord's Prayer that we've been using and, and then kind of conversation that we were having, really what's, what's, I think, more being got at here is the fact that we do forgive other people their trespasses. We do forgive other people their sins. There are ways in which you have forgiven. Right? If you're a parent in this room, you talk about before breakfast forgiving somebody three times, like no doubt that's happened with your kids. You forgive them for stuff. Roommates. Man, I got some stories about roommates back in the day. You forgive your roommates. You forgive the person that cuts you off in traffic. You forgive people in relationships. Like we actually do. And so if our broken, jacked up, leaning towards unforgiveness hearts can move and forgive other people, how much more will our Heavenly Father forgive us, right? If you've forgiven others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father, how much more will he forgive? And yet isn't the enemy so crafty, right? He takes this passage and he twists it around and he makes you think of the one person in your life that's caused you the most pain, that you're wrestling through trying to forgive, and then causes this like, ah, you, you might not even be a Christian. Look, you haven't forgiven that person. Ah, I don't know where you're going to end up. Right? Doesn't the enemy do that? Twisting scripture. Why don't we think about the dozens of other people that you have forgiven and glory in that and be reminded of how great the Father's forgiveness and love is for us. That's what I think this is getting at here. Quick little practical thing from... Uh, a book that I've read called Victory Over the Darkness by Dr. Neil Anderson talks about forgiveness, and I love his kind of grid to think through forgiveness because um, most of the things, in fact, I think all of the things that I was looking at this week that the Lord was bringing to mind, like that probably not have been helpful for me to go to that person to bring it up and say, hey, you know when you did this? Like I've been judging you for like 10 years for that, and, uh, but I forgive you, you know? Like there, there's, that's, not really, that's not really helpful. Um, and so the, this pastor and author breaks it down into private, personal, and public sins private sins, like internally, things that, you know, what I say in my car when somebody cuts me off or what I think about them, like that's a private thing. I don't need to like follow them and say, hey man, I'm sorry I said that, that you don't even know about, right? Like that's a private thing that I confess to the Lord, right? And I can release them privately. Personally, interpersonally, right? If there's a, a wrongdoing, I need to go to that person. We need to talk about it. I need to say, I forgive you, right? And then public wrongdoings, right? If it's a, a public thing, or even if I wrong somebody directly, but in a public setting, I need to own that publicly. That's not fun. So maybe don't do it in the first place, but that's the idea. Private, personal, public. So that might be a helpful grid, just to even think through what does it look like for me to actually forgive. We don't need to take those private things and make them public and pour some kind of shame on somebody else. Either way, it takes faith in that to go, to go and forgive. Lastly, forgiveness is releasing people from how they think, how I think they should suffer. It's giving them permission not to be God. Forgiveness is by faith, and lastly, it's costly. It's really costly. That's why it's so hard, because it costs us something. Right? We're, we're, 
we're showing our hand. We're giving up the, the ground that we have, that we think we have to stand on. Again, broken lamp. Like somebody's got to pay for it. It costs, it's going to cost you or it's going to cost me, but somebody's paying for it. And if I'm going to forgive you, then I'm absorbing that cost. I'm going to wherever and paying 30 bucks for a new lamp to restore the environment. It is costly. So let's look at a, a passage elsewhere in the book of Matthew about the cost of forgiveness. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Quickly here. This is great. Just classic, this is a classic Peter passage here. If you, know, if you don't know much about Peter, that's okay. If you know about Peter, I mean, he's just, this is a, a classic knucklehead Peter passage here. Verse 21, he, Peter came up to Jesus and said to him, Lord, how many how often should I forgive my brother? How, will my brother forgive sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times you think, Jesus? Seven is the perfect number. You know, it's the number of creation. Those guys over there were thinking like three or four. I'm seven. Look at me, Lord. He's like, yeah, okay, Pete. Uh, Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. Other translations even say 70 times seven. Go ahead, Peter. Forgive him seven times. You got, you got 483 to go. Right, if we're using this, 70 to go. Let's see how you do with that. And then Jesus tells the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Okay, so let me pause. You ever told a story where you're just, whether it's about money or something else, that's just an absurd amount, and you just like pull a number out of nowhere. It, it was like 11 billion gazillion dollars. Like that's basically what Jesus is doing here. He's literally just pulling a number. A talent was 20 years wages. Okay, so 10,000 times 20 years. In fact, some commentaries would even say in that day and age, that was about, that was about a lifetime's worth of labor, right? So we're talking 10,000 lifetimes. Literally just, this is like my kids when they're trying to do math right now. Like, Dad, what's a 100 billion trillion plus 40 gazillion 30 million? Like, I don't know, kiddo. It's, it's really big. It's a lot. Right? He's just pulling this number out of, out of nowhere to make the point of this is a, an absolutely insurmountable, no way you would ever be able to pay this debt. That's the point here. Jesus loves to use hyperbole. So owed him 10,000 talents. In fact, I did some math. Rich, I really, I don't think you're in here. I think you're in well, kids. Um, so I don't even know why I'm saying you. But uh, Rich talked about the, uh, the debt calculator last week. If you were here for that sermon, he threw up the national debt calculator, right? Like that big number had a lot of commas in it. That's like this amount. It's a lot. I, I did the math because I was a math ed major. And based on some numbers, somebody's going to check me on this and I'm going to come out to be wrong and that would be embarrassing. But uh, based on like 50,000 50, a year, which is, that's pretty low. It's less than the average. But if we're talking kind of, you know, manual labor here, that might even be a little high. This is like $10 billion. Is that what I wrote down? Yeah, $10 billion. That's a lot of money, right? To owe somebody $10 billion. That's the point, insurmountable. Since he could not pay, thanks for, the, thanks for that, Jesus. We weren't sure whether he could pay. His master ordered him to be sold with his wife, children, all that he had, payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, Pause. It's not an insignificant amount of money. A denarii was a, a, a day's wage, so 100 days, 
right? By my math, you know, about, about a third of a year or so. It's still a lot. But based on some of the same math, 25 bucks an hour, give or take, it's 20,000 bucks, right? So 10 billion versus 20,000. What happens? Same servant, uh, yeah, went out. One of his fellow servants owed him 100 denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Sounds really similar, just like what the other guy said. What does it say? And he forgave him and they went home happily ever after and our hearts are not broken and unforgiving and amen. No, it doesn't say that, right? It says he refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, no kidding. And they went, reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. In his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt, which we already said is never gonna happen. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brothers from your heart. The point here. Again, it's not to get hung up on the last verse and eternal salvation and this and that. The point is, we're the ones who owe the billions of dollars of debt, spiritually. We're that, we're that guy standing before a holy God, owing our very breath back to him, right? A debt that we can't actually pay and still have something to hang on to for ourselves. And yet we turn around and we go and we hold pennies against someone else pennies against someone else. The point here is the cost. And this man lost sight of how much forgiveness cost his master. He got hung up on what was owed him. Why ultimately should we forgive? Because of Jesus and because of what it cost him. Right? It cost him his life. And so we pray, forgive us our debts, Jesus because you made that payment. But if we don't pray this line, as we've also forgiven, that's like saying, hey Jesus, I want your blood to cover my sins, but not theirs. I want your blood to cover my debt, but not over there, not theirs. They don't deserve it. Ground at the, the cross is level. All right, everybody's got the same debt, our very breath. And yet the beautiful thing is that Jesus looked at the cost and he said it was worth it. What it cost Jesus to forgive you and forgive me was worth what it got him. What it cost Jesus to forgive us was worth what it, what it got him, you and me. That's what it got him. It cost him his life, but it got him you and me. And somehow in some crazy place in the heart and mind of God, that was worth it. And so we go and we say, God, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, that's really hard. But here's what I, what I want to have us do, just like I had to sit before the Lord this week, say, God, who do I got to forgive? And he met me. But I had to say at the same time, I give them permission to have specks in their eyes. I give them permission to break lamps. I give them permission to not be you. I give them permission to not even know what they've done. I want to give us some space right now this morning to do the same thing. To cry out before the Lord and just simply say, God, who do I need to forgive? 
Who do I need to forgive? This, I think, again, God is, God just knows what he's doing all the time. And what, what timing leading up to just in a couple weeks are church-wide fast. I know even in the spiritual 201 discipleship, they've been doing some fasting. Maybe this is something, you might need to fast on this, right? Whatever God brings to your mind. You might need to fast in response to this because it's not easy. But I want you to do two things, and I'm going to give you about 10 minutes to do it. Is ask the Lord who you need to forgive and for what, and then just be still and let him do what he does. Right, if there's someone on your mind right now, that's probably the person. Right, and again, maybe there's some deep, deep pain. Right, I'm not, I'm not pretending at all you're just gonna walk out of here and be good to go. Like, I walked out on Monday, and it was great. God met me there. But I woke up Tuesday and was like, oh, dang, I gotta do that again. Here we go. Oh, all right, forgive him again, I guess. Like, that's okay. That's where we're at. But just to consider, what's the next step? Maybe you've even stopped praying about it because there's just so much pain. Jesus sees that. Maybe you move towards praying about it again. Maybe you bring it up with the Lord again for the first time in a long time. Maybe you need to use one of those stems from Scripture that I kind of threw out. Lord, I give them permission to have specks in their eyes. I give them permission to have logs in their eyes, whatever it might be. Maybe it is meeting with one of the pastors here. Maybe it's meeting with a counselor. Maybe it's setting up a time to meet. Maybe God does that in the next 10 minutes. And, you, and maybe the person's here, and you go to them or you text them or whatever and say, hey, let's meet this week, and you talk about something. All right, so consider that private, personal, public kind of thing. Um, we're not going to do an open mic thing up here, but just consider that private, personal, public, and plead with Jesus to meet you and give you the courage to do that. Trust him that he will. He wants us to forgive more than we want to forgive. That's not hard to believe, but he'll meet us in what we need. So like I said, we're going to take about 10 minutes. Ask the Lord, who do I need to forgive? And then just be still. And uh, when we're done with that time, I'll bring the, the band back up here, a couple of closing thoughts and we'll be done.
if you are still praying and processing, that's fine. I'm just going to pray for us right now and have the, the band come up. So just stay where you're at. Keep going. Let, let the Lord meet you there. God, thanks. Thanks for this morning. Thanks for this week. And uh, yeah, just how encouraging and challenging this passage was to my own heart this week, Lord. But thanks that you are faithful to meet us. God, this is a Holy Spirit thing. We, we have no shot at doing this on our own, Lord. And yet, uh, yeah, because of your great forgiveness of us, Lord, we, we do have a chance because of how you have forgiven us what you paid to forgive. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And if we have forgiveness down there from you, we have a chance by your Spirit's power to forgive others. So would you move us towards that? However, slowly, whatever small steps we need to take, God, just keep us moving forward in that. And we trust you to meet us. God, might we remember what forgiveness is and what it's not? And might we remember what it costs you? God, and even as we consider this together, forgive us. As we forgive those who sin against us, God, this is a corporate thing. Without this, we can't pursue justice and change in this world. We can't pursue redemption and restoration of the broken systems in our world. God, and so would you move in each of our hearts individually and then move in our heart together corporately as a church and as a part of the church across the world. Lord, so we trust you to meet us in this space. Perhaps in no, in no other place do we need you to more strongly meet us. And yet, perhaps by no other mark are we known as, as yours. Lord, by the love that we have for one another, the way that we would forgive one another. So we, we trust you and implore you to empower us to do that day after day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me, uh, let's go ahead and move towards communion.